0: Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, there's a new brewery, of course, in Charlotte. We need some dinosaur beers, so we're going to come up with some of those. Also, we'll recap the Wizards game from last night. Doug wants to go off on the Spurs, just like everybody. And this,
1: I just dude, there's just only so much energy to go around. Like on this show, for example. Yeah, right. I'm trying to take some. <laughs> no, Can there's you only toss so much my I don't know. Listen, I'm going to the basket, baby. You are Locked On
0: Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We, live. we live. we have to recap the game last night between the Hornets and the Wizards. Hornets do get the dub 114 to 107. We have to talk about Miles Bridges' three-point shooting. We have to talk about... Davis Bertan's three-point shooting and how it just might lead to an MVP for him this year, the way that he's been playing. We have to talk about all of that, but first I want to talk about an opportunity for ourselves to play our favorite game. Uh, There's going to be a new brewery here in the Lake Norman area, Doug. Okay. And I want to
1: talk about that. I want to lead off today's show. Big surprise, new brewery in Charlotte. I'll say yes. it's, it's one of the things that I, I I joke about it, but it's one of the things that I miss about Charlotte. Nashville doesn't have quite the brewery scene that Charlotte does.
0: I can't imagine there's a lot of cities that have the brewery scene that Charlotte does. That's what they're known for now. They just create breweries all over the place, and now we're getting so bored... Buzz City. ...that we're, we're, we're going to have to be a little bit more creative Buzzed with our breweries. And, and Lake Norman is doing that by creating a Lost Worlds brewery, and it's going to be dinosaur-themed, Doug, a dinosaur brewery. It's awesome. They're going to, I guess, call it, it's more like an archaeology-themed brewery, but with dinosaur names, apparently, instead of playing trivia games, right? Like, you know how they have trivia nights at certain sure. breweries and certain bars? Instead of that, what they're going to do is they're going to have guest speakers where people okay. are going to speak on the Appalachian state trail, right? That seems kind of lame. That doesn't seem like the thing that would make you go out to drink a brewery, uh, drink a brew at a brewery. Also, there are going to be, uh, I, I think it's like Ross the Geller
1: are... came up with an idea for a brewery. It's like Ross and, Geller yeah, getting and into put the everybody to game. sleep. <laughs> yeah, and
0: I think another thing that they're going to do... is yeah, beer already is,
1: makes me sleepy. I don't need to add a speaker series to that. I'm sorry, I'm out on this one already. Apparently,
0: they're going to be more drinkable beers. They're not going to have that high of an alcohol content. So I'm there to kill know. brain cells.
1: I'm not yeah. there to add it to my knowledge. But it does give us an opportunity
0: to play our favorite game, and it's why I wanted to set the table this way. Um, I want to think of beers that they might serve at Lost Worlds. And so... What I'm going to do is I'm going to put one beer out there. This is how we usually like to play this game. We sprinkle our, ideal, uh, our ideas through the show, right? I don't want to just get it all out of the way, but I want to set the table with thinking of beers that might be served at this brewery, and I'm going to go all in on my first beer. Your IPA option that you might want to order. How about a Tricera hops? Oh, though?
1: yeah. I like that. Can I
0: interest you in a
1: Tricera hops? That's very good. That's very good. How about a Raptor? Vlogger Raptor. Yeah. <laughs> Vlogger Raptor. A little cool Vlogger Raptor.
0: A v- Vlogger uh, Raptor. Vlogger Raptor. That's tough. I'll accept it. I like it. So we'll sprinkle a couple more because honestly, I only have one idea right now. So we'll sprinkle a couple of those as the show does go on. I guess we will get to that Wizards game from last night. Hornets come out with a dub, Doug, and they kind of needed one in this homestand. They only had one, one in the current homestand that ended with this game against the Wizards. Um, Davies Bertans is the storyline, even in a loss. was. <laughs> this is something that we have become accustomed to as Hornets fans is the random guy going off for what seems to be a career night usually. And we Tobias Harris is a. Notorious Hornets killer. We had a couple of those guys. Yep. Um, But Bertans, this is not completely new to Bertans. He has been doing very well this month. The last six games, I think he's averaging six threes a game. Uh, I think he's averaging about 25 points per game. So it's not just the Hornets that he's been doing this to, but it was extremely tough for the Hornets to stop him last night. You couldn't give him any breathing room. There were two, four point plays. And despite The play of Bertans, the Hornets come out with a seven point victory.
1: By the way, can we take a moment to talk about the Spurs letting Bertans go? Well, for for essentially nothing, right? I mean, because they they let him go in order in order to sign Marcus Morris, who they then let go in order to bring in Damari Carroll. So well, just, they don't
0: let Marcus go, Well, but they right? don't,
1: but they, they're not going to like, it, it's, you know, it's a situation where it really turns into Damari Carroll, right? Well, it's, but it's not because
0: of the Spurs. It's because of Marcus Morris okay. deciding, I don't want to, well, I'm not mad at you. I don't think you need to be defensive. I need I'm you to take the, one of those. I'm not defensive. I, to, I think the I Spurs take, should be defensive. I need you to take a uh, high alcohol content beer and just simmer down a little bit. How about a woolly mammoth? I think mammal? what's going
1: on. <laughs> Wooly mammalt. I, like I don't like to... malty beers, but I would drink a woolly mammalt. Okay. We're going into the what ice I'm saying age is that we one. we always laud the Spurs. They're always, oh, they're the number one uh, GM, number one front office. Oh, they're just you, smarter man. than everyone. They're zagging when everybody's zigging. And I'm just saying they're human. Pop is human. The whole front office is human. And they make mistakes, too. And this was a big mistake because Davis is playing very well. No, he is. And it is
0: a problem, right? Like, that was certainly a mistake. But I do think people were a little too giddy to jump on that exact take that you just gave me. The fact that, look, the Spurs mess up, too. Let's I wasn't, all laugh I wasn't at the them because of, of the that. way that Bertans. No, you were not. There was quite a few people on Twitter saying, look, the Spurs made an oopsie let's all get on them because of the way that they gave up Bertans for nothing. And let's applaud the wizards for, because getting it's Bertans the one thing the
1: Spurs and need It's the one thing the Spurs need right now. Three point shooting. Doug, would you is let amazing. me get off the point?
0: Would you just simmer down and sip on a woolly mammoth, please? For just one second. Okay. I am going to defend the Spurs for a little bit because this was Marcus Morris seemingly having agreed to a deal with the San Antonio Spurs. And therefore, they were not going to bring Bertans back because they thought they had Marcus Morris, who also has had a pretty good year this season. And instead, Morris is like, well, now I might go play with the New York Knicks. And it's like, well, great. Now Bertans is already gone. I believe that's the tie line. Bertans is gone. And then because Morris is deciding to go with the Knicks, and then they don't get any of those guys. Instead, they end up with old Damari Carroll, who hasn't been good since the Atlanta Hawks
1: days,
0: (laughs) And so you guys all want to just do do on the Spurs for this move. And look, it's not, I'm not saying it's a good move. I'm just saying people were like, oh, look, the Spurs made this big problem. And I'm like, well, all right. They Marcus Morris kind of did them dirty. You know, he did, but oh, well, such is the power of the players these days. He was amazing against the Hornets last night. Caught that L though. Yeah, he did. He did catch that L, as the kids like to say. Yeah, he needed and that Devontae, he needed that
1: ninth three. That's what he was looking for. That ninth three. The one that didn't Almost go in. got it, right?
0: <laughs> there was one three that was in and out. You couldn't give him any breathing room where he was going to hit it. Uh Devontae Graham, luckily for the Charlotte Hornets, luckily for us, he hit six three pointers out of eleven field goal attempts. And before we take a quick break and dive into this game a little bit more, because we got sidetracked with wanting to do do on the Spurs a little bit. Uh, Graham, Doug, we had been spending the last couple of shows criticizing his two point field goal percentage. The fact that he can't hit anything inside the arc. And a lot of that was true for much of this game. He did take 19 field goal attempts. He hit nine and he hit, uh, six, um, and 11 of them, excuse me, were from beyond the arc. So it took him a while to hit a couple of two pointers, but at the end of this game, Doug, Devontae Graham had a couple of and ones that were critical to the Hornets winning this game. And I think that's a good sign. So Devontae had not finished inside pretty much all year long. He's one of the worst at the, at the rim in all of the NBA so far this season. And yet in order to continue to kind of stave off the wizards, just a little bit, Devontae Graham came up with two huge and one opportunities. And that's what helped in large part, along with the miles bridges three to give them the seven point win.
1: And Devontae was not the only one looking for contact. That was the phrase that we used in the last show. This this team has not been looking for contact. They have not been driving the basketball inside and getting fouled. They're, they're in the bottom uh, 10 in free throw attempts per game. But this game, they had 28. Really good number. Devontae Graham had six free throw attempts. Bismack Biombo getting fouled several times and knocking them down. Five of six was kind of on him on his free throw percentage. But he, he shuts me up. Five of six from the line. And then Terry Rozier as well, six of seven from the line. So the Hornets getting a lot of efficient uh, points from the free throw line, and I think it really helped them. They they were aggressive, and they attacked a defense that isn't very good. That's what you want to see. Now can they attack a defense that is good? That's the question. And they've
0: struggled with the Nets quite a bit in the first two contests that they've had this season. We'll talk a little bit about that, including getting into a little bit more of that Wizards game last night in the next segment. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: This is Locked On Hornets decoys all over the place they've got everybody down at the rim ball goes into biz they do like an xfl style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage except it's with Devonte graham he picks up a foul i don't care what you say nate mcmillan more like nate mcvillan get out of here quit whining about the officials you got plenty of calls the hornets got a call at the end of the game i thought it was fair hornets win
0: it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Miles Bridges was the other guy as we were praising Devontae Graham for a couple of those and ones. Uh, Miles Bridges comes up with a big three-pointer dug in this game at the end, pretty much to put that game on ice. And you look at what Miles did, three of six from beyond the arc, six of 14 overall, 16 points for Miles. And then you look at what Miles has done from the three-point line this season, almost at 39%. That's up, I believe, from 32. I'm trying to get these stats to load, but I'm pretty sure that's right. He shot about 32% from three last year, and I think that's a good sign. I mean, we've we've talked about how we evaluate Miles Bridges so far this season based on the increased responsibility, guarding the opposing team's best player on the perimeter. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that we understand has been put on his plate a little bit more, and so... People have described it as a little bit up and down, but that is one thing that is a very positive sign to me. The fact that he's hit three pointers at a much better rate again, 39% if you round up and he's done so on almost doubling his three point output. He had two and a half attempts per game last season. He has 4.3 attempts uh, per game this season. So that's a good sign to me.
1: Yeah, he had he was 32.5% last season. So yes, okay. a, a big increase so far. And a lot of it has come in the last five to ten games. Over the last five games, Miles Bridge is shooting sixty-one point one percent from three on three point six attempts. So that 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 will really help this Hornets offense because he's not he's not doing a lot offensively other than than shooting three pointers. So uh, that it's really important for him to knock down the open ones, and he had a few open ones in the corner, especially especially as much attention as Devontae and Terry get from a defense. I mean, you, you've seen P.J. Washington just be wide open so many times this season. Miles Bridges is the same way. The difference is P.J. has hit them and Miles hasn't. So it's good to see him knocking those down. That's, you know, last night, I know it was against the Wizards, so it's, it's tough to kind of evaluate, can they, can they keep that up? But to me, that's what a good Hornets offense looks like. It's inside and out instead of just outside. 114 points, 16 three-pointers made, yes, but 28 free-throw attempts and only 13 turnovers. So they were passing the basketball, but they were passing it intelligently and not just willy-nilly. Like, it's, it's great to have a bunch of assists in a game, you know, but, it, uh, but if you're just going to turn the basketball over 20 times, then it's not great to have 28 assists. So I, well, I, I like it, this game from the Hornets.
0: Yeah, and it seemed like they were going to turn it over 20 times if you just would have looked at the first quarter i believe they ended up the uh ended the first quarter with six turnovers a lot of them careless it was pretty maddening to watch what they did at the end of that quarter but then they ended up yeah seven turnovers the rest of the game and they they started
1: this game not on a 9-2 run that's usually it's usually the opposite the hornets are usually on the wrong side of a 9-2 run Mm -hmm. to open up a game they actually kind of were focused to start this game and jumped on on the Wizards early and accumulated a 14-point lead pretty quickly. And defensive, I mean, we haven't talked about the defense. I thought, you know, you're going up against Washington, one of the most high-powered offenses in the league, and you don't have a great defense. This was really a, you know, a put-up-or-shut-up moment for the Charlotte Hornets. They had been challenged subtly by their coach, and I'm sure not so subtly when it it came to practice time. I'm sure he's challenging these guys, like, we got to play some defense, and they did in this game. They shut Bradley Beal down.
0: Yeah, Bradley Beal uh, only had nine, He had 19 attempts on this game and only made six of them. And he was 0 for from behind the line. So Bradley Beal, 0 for 7 from three-point range and a minus 36 in the plus-minus column. Again, not giving that credence, just interesting. Bradley Beal on the floor got outscored by 36 points. So that's crazy to see that they were able to hold Bradley Beal in check like that. Remember, Doug, the first time they played, it was really because of Bradley Beal being the best player on the floor that they won, and the Hornets had that fourth-quarter collapse.
1: And it was a team effort. It wasn't just one guy guarding Bradley Beal. They made sure to have uh, big guys on Beal at all times that could stay with him. So Bridges guarded him for portions of the game. They would switch, and P.J. Washington would be on him and, and staying with him as best he could. You had Michael kidd Gilchrist on him for a few possessions, Batum as well, and they just really made sure that they had length on Bradley Beal and that whoever was behind on the defense, whether it was Zeller or Bismack, always had one eyeball on what Beal was doing on drives in order to keep him contained. And and they did an excellent job at that. So props to Miles, PJ, MKG, and Batum on containing Beal and making everybody... See, that's the thing. you know. But yeah, you look at Bertans, 8 of 12 from beyond the arc. Had he not done that, the Wizards would have gotten wiped off the floor. They shot 31% from three in this game despite a player shooting 66.7% from three on 12 attempts. So, you know, they needed it. I mean, Bradley Beal was 0 for 7. Uh, Wagner was 0 for 2. Uh, Rui put up 1. He missed. Bonga put up 2. He missed. Ish Smith was 1 of 4. Smith, somebody that usually annihilates the Hornets, they did a good job on him as well. So, just defensively, they were active. I thought MKG especially was disruptive when he came into the game in the first and second quarter. I mean, he was all over ball handlers. So, I just got to, you know, props to this team. I mean, I think they really stepped up and got a win that they absolutely needed to get to get back on track. I
0: want to talk about MKG. MKG comes in just like a little Tasmanian devil and ends up getting trash points because he drives to the basket, misses, but is still relentless enough to get his rebound, put it back up, and then get fouled as he hits the bucket, right? And like just MKG being crazy energetic, that leads to some kind of basket when you didn't have any offensive offense going on that particular possession. Another thing I want to run by you, Doug, is I want to bring this back a little bit to Miles Bridges and who basically works the best with him. So they, they tried to Dwayne Bacon and Miles Bridges on the court at the same time. We know Dwayne Bacon hasn't been good. Then you put Nick Batum once he comes back from the little injury that he had at the beginning of the year, you know, Nick Batum, I, I don't think it's worked as well as maybe I thought it would. I think that, you know, defensively he's been pretty good. Um, Just offensively, he's so bad at times. I mean, he facilitates certainly better than Dwayne, but everybody does. So now it's MKG getting some of the Nick Batum minutes, even though Batum got 13, you know, MKG getting in there. Doug, we have talked so much about Miles Bridges guarding the opponent's best player. And there was a time where you saw MKG on Bradley Beal. I know Miles saw a lot of time on Bradley Beal last night as well. But I just wonder, is that something that you experiment with if you're James Borrego? putting MKG out there a little bit more, having MKG guard the opposing best player, taking a little bit more off miles and maybe allowing miles to maybe instead of, you know, three quarters of the game guarding the team's best player, maybe just a quarter and a half and allowing MKG to bear that responsibility, then allowing miles to do a little bit more offensively, right? If we think that the defense is taking so much out of him that it's hindering his development on the offensive end Do you start to wean him into that defensive
1: responsibility
0: a little bit more by playing he and MKG on the floor at the same time?
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, I think that's JB's big job through the next 25, 30 games, finding ways to not only take pressure off of Miles Bridges, but also take some more pressure off of Devontae Graham. Because I I think one of the reasons why we haven't seen Graham as aggressive towards the basket is an energy level thing. I mean, you have to understand, that it takes a lot. I mean, it takes a lot not only to get back out on shooters on defense, but also to drive, take contact, you're knocked down to the floor. I mean, it's going to take a lot out of you over the course of 48 minutes. And so I think part of, like, we've seen Devontae Graham put up some big rebounding numbers, and that's great. I mean, it, it's gotten them close to a triple-double in some games, but I love the fact that Devontae Graham had one rebound in this game, and Bismack Biombo had 15. Like, we need more of that. Like, we need more physicality underneath on the boards from Biombo, from Washington, from Bridges, and from Zeller. I don't want to see Graham getting six, seven rebounds a game. That's ridiculous. That's energy that he's wasting. I want to see him put that towards putting his head down and getting to the basket. Same with Bridges. He doesn't need to waste all of his energy guarding the best player on the other team. They have Batum and MKG use them. Well, and if Graham, Graham especially doesn't need to be
0: going down low to get rebounds, especially when Terry Rozier... Is an even better rebounder at that position. So if you need some help yeah. down low, Rozier had eight. Terry, Ro- yeah, Terry Rozier is the guy that's going to get that burden a little bit more, and that's how it should be. Now I don't know if we're going to give a lot of criticism to Zeller and Biombo in this game. Twenty five rebounds between them can't ask for much more. No, that's Only what I'm saying. Tw- that's what we need yeah, to see right.
1: that over and over again. Instead of you know we don't need to see these games where Biombo leaves the floor with six rebounds, Zeller was with, with five or six. These guys need to be double digit rebounders. And and let the guards do what guards do. Well, and especially tonight, going like, up Devante
0: against the Brooklyn Nets. Devonte Graham is not
1: Russell Westbrook, and he shouldn't be Russell Westbrook. That's not to me. That's not his outlay. That is not the future. Devontae Graham to me is not a twenty-five, seven and seven, you know, type of player. No. I, I think it's it's somebody that is going to give you tons of three-point production. Yeah, a few and ones a game, getting in there, knocking down free throws. And and distributing the basketball, six assists in this game, two steals. I want to see more steals too. I just dude, there's just only so much energy to go around. Like on this show, for example. Yeah, right. I'm trying to take some. <laughs> no, there's Can you only toss so much go my way? I know. Listen, I'm going to the basket, baby.
0: Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan are a couple of big guys that have destroyed the Charlotte Hornets. And so if there was ever to ask for a duplicate performance from Biombo and Zeller getting the 25 rebounds they did between them, tonight would be a nice night for that. Remember, Doug, this is something we talked about, I believe, at the beginning of this week when they did play the Brooklyn Nets. We recapped that game a little bit. We talked about in the fourth quarter, DeAndre Jordan didn't have anybody to go up against that provided any resistance whatsoever. And he had four field goals. I believe he only missed one field goal in that entire game did some work in the fourth quarter, got quite a few rebounds. Jarrett Allen was very good in that game. And the game they played before that, Jarrett Allen had set a season-high 17 rebounds. They have destroyed the Charlotte Hornets down low, and Kyrie Irving hadn't played in, the, in either of those games, and the Hornets still lost both of them. Now, the Nets do have a pretty good record without Kyrie Irving out there, but it would be nice to see the post come up with the same performance, right? Both of these guys got double-doubles, Doug. I mean, Biombo had 13 points and 15 rebounds, Zeller had 14 points and 10 rebounds. Cody Zeller played 22 minutes. Biombo played 24. I can't ask for a whole lot more than that from both of those guys. Hopefully you can get that tonight if they can get a win against the Brooklyn Nets. Go ahead, Doug.
1: I was just going to say they just have to play the exact same way. I mean, that's it. I mean, they have to play physical. They have to. They have to deny the other team offensive rebounds. In that last game against Brooklyn, fifteen offensive rebounds. Brooklyn took advantage of of most of those. Thirty-two points for Brooklyn on nineteen turnovers. It, like, Kyrie Irving is not a factor. Spencer Dinwiddie's playing very well. There are already like these weird questions about Spencer Dinwiddie. Is he better than Kyrie Irving? Let me answer that for you. No, he's not. Quit it. Like, stop saying that. Spencer Dinwiddie is very good, but he's not Kyrie Irving, but they can play without Kyrie Irving. That's not going to be a factor in this game. I desperately want the Hornets to get this win against Brooklyn.
0: Thank you for the end all be all take. I'm glad we have a definitive answer on who is better, Spencer Dinwiddie or Kyrie Irving. We have a voicemail. It's been a while, so we appreciate the voicemail that's going to come our way. And if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, feel free to do so. Our Patreon page, you can visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash L-O-H. Also, some more beers. We've been slacking. We need to come up with some more brews on the other side of the break. It's the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Have you ever had that one little bug that's just like it's not completely out, but it's like kind of dangling in there, and then you try to sniff it back up to go away for good, but it just it'll, it'll keep popping back. That's what I'm going through right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. This Lost World Brewery certainly, I think, is known for its Tricera hops. I think if it were to be known for a beer, I think it would be for its IPA that they brew in-house. It's the Tricera hops. That's what you go there to get. You might want to deviate a little bit from the IPA and go with a Woolly Mammalt. You might want to go with a Raptor. Those are some other options. But, Doug, if I could interest you in a Pterodactyl is that something that you might purchase instead of the Tricera hops?
1: Oh, yeah. See, I'm an ale and lager guy now. I used to be, you know, full-on IPA, give me, give me all you got, full bitter, full hops. But now I'm a huge Pterodactyl fan. I love a good lager. Just give me something simple. Like, for example, I don't like sour beers. I'm not a huge sour beer fan. I'm so I so I would not drink a Stegosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> huh? I don't think I would drink that either. That goes think, goes beer. Yeah, it's you know you got it. I,
0: we have to pronounce your beers in a very fine way. Woolly mammal. The the the, the woolly.
1: Well, mammal. you're a radio professional. You're supposed to be all about the enunciation.
0: I think we both know that I'm not very good at the enunciation. I think that's something I actually struggle with. The radio professional in me does not allow. For some reason, that has not been refined. Someone, I, I went on
1: a uh, fast break breakfast recently and uh, uh, someone, uh, he, the host said, he's like, oh, you put your radio voice on. I'm like, this is kind of my voice. You're the same way. Like, this is not uh, terribly different than how we normally talk. You, I don't, have- I don't think so. I don't either. No, you definitely don't have a, you know, a put on voice. Uh, I was like, no, come on this down is just- and
0: try the Tricerahops. Right. I mean, World yeah, you Brewery. can certainly take yeah, it would, to that. No, level. I'm saying I don't think that's what it is. Right. Like, I think that's what I would sound like if I was trying to sound like Kent Brockman on The Simpsons. That's the voice that I would put on. But I don't I think this is normally how I talk. I think, I, that's think that the, I, I
1: think the best ones, that's just it. It just comes out like Eric. You ever talk to Eric in person, he's, that's the voice. I mean, he, obviously he's not like that excited all the time, although that would be pretty legendary if he just walked around that excited all the time over just random stuff. <laughs> Whoa, great job of the water fountain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's right. That
0: door is open for you. Johnny on the spot with the door. Tougher you, than Eric a woodpecker's Collins. lips. Yeah, he's been using that one a couple times. I think that one needs that. That's that's the one I don't like, man. Like, I love love Eric Collins. I, you know what I found out? I think yesterday with Bertan's ridiculous performance, I think we've seen one. Eric Collins has had a couple of great opportunities for great calls. He's been blessed with some really good games and some really good opportunities. I think what I love best about Eric Collins and the way that he calls a game is he embodies your feeling of despair with excitement better than anybody else in the game. Yes. When, when, when Bertans hit that three and he just was astonished that it went in, he embodied all the feelings that I was feeling inside myself and right, the right, best right. call. And, and I'll say this, like I said, that Zach Levine call, man, when it was he so nailed funny. that three, that call was amazing. Like, I don't know what I was feeling, but Eric, you did. And I don't know how you knew what I was feeling, but you just expressed it.
1: Now, the best He's- part of that call was that he caught himself midway. You could hear it. You could hear him catch himself, go, "Ooh, I shouldn't be this excited about a play that is ultimately causing the team that I'm announcing for to lose because he realized that fans at home were not feeling as excited about that shot as he was feeling. I think it's one of the things that makes that particular tandem so unique in the NBA is that you have Eric Collins, who really is kind of neutral. I mean, you know, he did he did a lot of he does a lot of work everywhere. Like he calls college games. Uh, you know, he he did a lot you of. You think his call- he calls Hornets games new in a neutral way? It, as as neutral as you can in that situation, because like I listen, you know, League Pass. I I get to hear like all the different ones, and some of them are so like they'll never say, "Oh, that was a foul." That was definitely a foul on this on our team. Like they would never even entertain that idea. And then you have Dell. Dell is the ambassador of the team. So he's not, he's rarely going to say something like, oh, that was a fail. That was definitely a foul on miles, but you'll have Eric go, go and say, Hey, well that might be on us there. I I just think it's as neutral as you're going to get in that scenario. And I I think they're kind of unique in that way. Uh, My favorite thing though, from the broadcast is whenever uh, Eric Collins drops one of his signature wordplay puns and Dell, nothing. Like d- doesn't laugh, <laughs> doesn't even acknowledge it, just moves on. Like it's per, it's perfect comedy. I think they've agreed that that's how you play those things.
0: Is, is that what they've agreed to, or could you see a scenario where Dell maybe secretly isn't feeling some of the word plays, and he really wants to strangle Eric Collins every once in a while?
1: No, listen, I, I'm telling you, no. Everyone loves wordplay. Let me just let me just say, like I know you secretly love it, even when you're silent, even when you give, well, even when you give me that stare. I know you secretly love my sweet, sweet wordplay.
0: The Raptor. I want one right now. We always enjoy your phone calls. If you want to leave a voicemail to us, feel free to do so on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash L-O-H. Let's get to our latest voicemail from Dwayne. Do the message! After the beat.
1: Hey guys, this is Dwayne from Greensboro. Uh, I want to ask you something about Devontae Graham feel like he should definitely be in the Futures game during All-Star weekend. Uh, and by him being there for that game, what do you think his chances are of being in a three-point contest with the way he's shooting the three this year? Take care.
0: Good question. Like both of them. Um, let's first address him playing in the Futures game. One, I think 100% he should be in the Futures game. If he's in the running for most improved player of the year award, and he's a second-year guy, and he's eligible for that game, then absolutely, that would be dumb for him not to play in that game, or at least not be invited, right? If he doesn't want to play because of whatever reason, then fine. But at least get the invitation. And then the three-point contest, if he continues to shoot at this clip, then that would be fun. That would be fun to have the Hornets represented by a star. I mean, it was Kimba Walker who was doing so in the All-Star game. Oh, would man. be cool to see Devontae Graham, right? Have, uh,
1: Kimba versus Devontae that would be sweet. in the finals. That, that would, would be absolute, that would be great, dope ah or dope af, if you will. Uh, I'm in. I'm in for him in the three point <laughs> contest. I think he's still second to James Harden right now in overall three point makes. I don't see that. I mean, he's he's just as consistent as it gets with his shot right now. I don't see that changing between now and the All Star game. So I think you definitely have to uh, consider Devonte, and I would be interested to see how he does in that scenario. Is he one of these like in game rhythm shooters? who just completely falls apart in those scenarios, or is he someone that can take a ball off a rack and, and just knock it down shot after shot? There was video of, uh, of Davis Bertans warming up. Uh, he might be another. I mean, he can just boom, 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 one right after the other. He might be a guy, too, that uh, comes into the three-point shooting contest. Oh, yeah, for sure. And knocks it down.
0: Um, can I interest you in maybe raising the bar a little bit for Devontae? By a little bit, I mean a whole lot. Doug, how much consideration should we give Devontae for a possible all-star appearance? Whoa, proving proving that that Mitch wrong. Ridiculous?
1: Mitch at the beginning of the season says this team doesn't have any all-stars. We
0: don't have any all-stars on this team. Uh, you know, it didn't seem that way. Devontae has kind of surprised us a little bit. So if you look at just the point guard position mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. Devontae Graham currently ranks fifth on that scoring list. With those filters, Devontae Graham is fifth. If you look at the assist per game that Devontae accumulates through the course of this season, he is third behind only Trey Young and Ben Simmons. Now the field goal percentage, that's certainly way down when you look at all of the point guards. In fact, he's not in the top ten. I have to continue to scroll down all the way to sixteenth. So he's not been very efficient from the field overall. But when you look at three point percentage, and all of these guys have taken multiple threes per game, Devontae Graham sits at second behind only George Hill and Devontae Graham is taking 8.8 three-point attempts per game, which is just ridiculous. And then George Hill is taking 2.9. And yet, even despite the volume that Devontae is taking, he's still second right in front of Isaiah Thomas for Washington, who's taken about five per game and is hitting at 41%. So it's the three-point percent, it's the assists, and it's the points per game that would get him there. Defensively, we know he's not as strong. I'm just asking, is it crazy? It's the only question that I'm asking. Is it crazy to even consider him as a possible bench player for the Eastern Conference All-Star team?
1: Well, it's certainly less crazy than it would have been at the beginning of the season. It would have been absolutely insane, but now it's it's just slightly crazy. And I only say that because he's not going to get the fan vote. I mean, Kyrie will probably get votes, and he hasn't played much uh, at the beginning of this season because so, I think so much of the All-Star is like a half a year behind. And so now could I see Devonte next season if he continues this production and and adds a little bit of two point production to his game? Where you, because right now I feel like he's capped. He's like capped at this sort of 26 to 29 points per game, you know, on a really good game. And could, you know, if he if he increases two point production and got some more of those and ones and had some more spectacular plays, all of a sudden he could be on sport center with a 35 40 point performance and then you're starting to really turn heads get some eyeballs on you and get some of that traction that you need to get a an all-star bid. I mean, so much of it is political and not raw numbers. So not as crazy, but still crazy. But maybe next season, it won't be crazy. Yeah, I, I think at least
0: it deserves to be tossed out there. And if anybody's going to throw it out there at the beginning then why not it be the Locked on Hornets podcast? Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. Make sure you tweet at us if you have any dinosaur beers. We'd love to hear them. We didn't have a whole lot. It's really tough. So if you have some better ideas than we do, feel free to tweet at both of us. We will talk about that Nets game tomorrow here on the Locked on Podcast Network.